On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of Locked On Texans, your daily podcast covering your favorite football team every single day. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis, along with my partner in crime. John, some sports guy Hickman, of course, the other half of the Locked On Texans duo. Today is Thursday, which means it is another of our Locked On crossover show with the Locked On Patriots. So that will be interesting. Cannot wait to discuss what the Patriots do very well and, and where they've been struggling. You know, if, if there's a room for error, can the Patriots lose on Sunday to Houston? I will be at that game wearing some Patriot gear. I know you guys are going to kill me for that. However, this episode is brought to you by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, we've all joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how we all watch it. Pepsi is made for football watching. Go for madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. You know, Cody and listeners, before we get into the crossover uh, part of the show, which I can't wait, uh, thank you guys for joining the show today, of course. And you can check out the podcast on all of the major podcasting platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, and Spotify. I think it's very important to discuss Jamie Roots coming out and you know, making a public statement about whether or not Jack ECB will be in the running for general manager next year. And I think it's kind of funny that this comment is coming out after Bill Belichick made his comments, but he came out and said he will not be the general manager for Houston next year. And I think with everything that's been going on with his organization, that small piece of news that James Roots came out and discussed on yesterday is very big because I think that gives us uh, some reassurance that the things we've seen in the last two years going on now, uh, since Jack Easterby was brought into the fold here in Houston and the way Houston has kind of operated with his hand playing a huge part of it since he, he arrived, I think that's great reassurance for the fans and for the players and coaching staff, whether they'll be here or not next year, that they're going to find somebody, hopefully, that can change the direction that Houston has been on since his arrival. And, you know, I was happy to hear that news. It I, it actually gave me a sigh of relief. But, you know, John, but, you know, John, this organization, this city as a whole, I do not believe it until they hire a general manager. That is the only way that I am going to believe this news. Once again, Jack Easterby should not be around this organization. Well, one, he should not be a general manager, but of course he should not be around this organization because he was brought in due to Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien is gone. Like you have been saying, like I have been saying, like everyone has been saying, you need to erase everything that Bill O'Brien had brought inside NRG Stadium in just clean house. Hopefully they will do that this offseason because like I keep saying, this is by far the most important offseason in franchise history. Do not waste the prime of Deshaun Watson. So hopefully they are telling the truth. But like I said, I do not believe it until they get a new general manager. 
Also from that Zoom press conference, Roots also continue with Jack will not be the general manager of the Houston Texans. Jack realizes we need personnel expertise to put together the best football team. He doesn't have enough time in the day. He's working with sports science, working on nutrition, spread the word. To finish his quote off, Jack has no intentions of being general manager. James Roots finished the interview by saying uh, they have the intent to name a new GM in January. So with the firm that they brought in, that also, that was the same firm that helped them find Bill O'Brien. But with all of these new football guys in, football minds and expertise, so to speak, coming in to help Houston find the right candidate and hire the right candidate by January. I'm very curious to see where their process is right now as we speak. That information will come out eventually before we get to January and names will start to pop up. But we can't talk about January before we talk about Sunday. Sunday is the next time we will see our team, your team on the field while taking on the New England Patriots. It's also interesting that for Houston to have picked, they picked the wrong year to be one of the worst teams in the league. You get your Thanksgiving game and nobody's excited about it at this point. So I think the timing is terrible. But we do have the Patriots on Sunday going to talk with locked on Patriots to see how the Patriots are going to attack and how they can be attacked with a possible win for the Houston Texans. And this football season will be a little bit different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is a refreshment you need to power through the game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans like you and I, like the entire world, especially after Thursday night football game, we're the real generational town of that Pepsi fuels, right? We don't go out there on the field. We may not catch passes, but we are the passionate fans. And because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Patriots fans and Texans fans, there is a lot of familiarity between these two teams and these two proud franchises. And on Sunday, they're set to renew that familiarity at 1 p.m. Eastern from NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas. The Houston Texans host the New England Patriots in week 11 of the 2020 NFL season. And today is Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Mike DeBate, host of the Locked On Patriots podcast. And joining me is my friend and colleague, John Hickman, host of the Locked On Texans podcast. John, it's always an honor and a privilege to join you on the microphone for these crossovers. Absolutely. You know, I love getting these crossovers done with every team that we uh, we cover here in Locked On, which is all 32. I love them because we finally get an insight of what's going on with the other franchise or organization. But I love doing the Locked On Patriots because um, as the Locked On Texas fans know, as much as I love Houston Texans, I'm a Patriot fan. I'm actually going to the game on Saturday, on Sunday. Uh, but it's very fun and knowledgeable whenever we're done with these. So I can't wait to discuss both franchises today. Absolutely. And there's really there's no stranger between these two teams. And I should say that probably a better choice of word was there's a lot of familiarity, like I said, in the opening, uh, the Houston Texans and the New England Patriots do share a lot of former players on both sides, a lot of history between these two franchises and definitely a lot of history between the two fan bases. In fact, John, both occupants of the Texans head coaching office 
our former Patriots coach, his former head coach, Bill O'Brien, who I know is kind of a polarizing figure in Houston, but current interim coach Romeo Cronell has seemed to turn things around a little bit, and we know Romeo very well for his defensive prowess here as Bill Belichick's coordinator on the preventative side of the ball on the defense. John, in your estimation, since Romeo has taken this team over, how have the Texans changed, both conceptually and from an on-field standpoint, since he took over for Bill O'Brien? But I think if we look at conceptually, I think what, uh, what Cornell was able to do when he stepped into the role was allow everybody to breathe without having to be so uptight. There were rumors and uh, uh, a lot of sources that was coming out that the way Bill ran the franchise, the team, uh, over the really the duration of his time here in Houston was very, very strict to the point where players felt like that they were not grown men. Uh, one mishap, we see what's going on with Kiki QT, and we still don't really know why he is not getting the playing time. But the way Bill ran things was very detrimental to what. Uh, the players wanted to do be free and so romeo cornell got into the locker room and took over as interim head coach we saw a lot of freedom now what we see on the field as far as play i think defensively nothing has changed in my opinion uh, we played some rookies they got more minutes but i think that's due to uh, injury and covid so not much there, but I think overall the biggest change has come from seeing Deshaun Watson not be handcuffed by Bill O'Brien and the coaching style that he has brought to Houston. Uh, he's very good with quarterbacks that, that that are not talented, to say the least. I mean, he made the playoffs with Brock Osweiler as his starting quarterback. He made the playoffs one year with five quarterbacks featuring Josh Johnson and Brian Hoyer. That was a terrible year quarterback-wise for Houston. But he was able to take that roster and make it a playoff team. But with Deshaun Watson and his talent, he's never really been good at coaching that. So now with Cornell stepping in, uh, Watson is no longer handcuffed by that coaching style. And since week four, he's thrown for 14 plus 100 yards, 12 TDs, and two interceptions. At one point, four straight games with 100 plus pass rating. Cornell just let Watson be in control of that offense and allows him to get his own mojo going. And that's being shown on the field. Outside of that, we're still a very bad team. We still don't have talent on the defensive side of the ball, which isn't his fault. I mean, he wasn't involved in a lot of the personnel moves in regards to signing guys. He was no longer the defensive coordinator. That was uh, that job was appointed to Anthony Weaver in his first year, and Bill O'Brien did a terrible job of setting him up with talent. But that's it. Nothing much has changed outside of seeing that even at 2-7, and seven, Deshaun Watson is going out there every week trying to win a game, trying to prove why he's one of the best in the league, and he's living up to that contract extension. Absolutely, and Deshaun Watson, without question, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, consistently in the top, and he really has trapped this team on his back, and we'll definitely get to Deshaun and his prowess in just a minute, but staying on Romeo's specialty on the defensive side of the ball, and John, you did allude to this about maybe some lack of defensive personnel being the reason for Houston not having the robust defense we're accustomed to them seeing, but... Houston has had some difficulty stopping the run, and that's where the Patriots have been most effective this year is running the football. So logic says that the Texans 
might want to try to force the Patriots into obvious passing situations because that may be the best way to slow them down. Now, the Texans do have the ability to put pressure on the passer. They still have J.J. Watt. They still have Whitney Merciless, seven sacks between the two of them uh, so far in the 2020 season. And in the secondary, you've got a guy like Bradley Roby, who especially gave Patriots problems last year with his versatility in the backfield. Vernon Hargraves is now on the other side of that corner spot. And then you've got Justin Reed and Eric Murray as a pretty stout safety tandem. John, in your estimation, when we're talking about the matchup with the Patriots, do the Texans have the personnel in the front seven to force the Patriots to try to beat them through the air and challenge that secondary? No, they don't. Um, the front seven is the weakness to this defense, and the secondary is a weakness to this defense. But the problem with the front seven is how you mentioned J.J. White and Winnie Merciless had seven sacks between the two throughout 10 games. Those sacks have come far in between one another. And on top of that, nobody else is producing any real pressure uh, on the quarterbacks. So with those two guys giving you those seven sacks, but they're coming far in between and nobody else stepping up to really help consistently, you lose Charles Omane, who really don't play our rookie, and Ross Blacklock saw more of him in the last couple of weeks. But like I mentioned earlier, that was due to COVID and injuries. They will have, the Patriots, will have enough time for Cam Newton to make decisions. Quinny um, Merciless has played well beneath that contract and been very underwhelming. And as we've seen out of J.J. Watt, especially against the Browns, his commitment to the game. Like, what made J.J. Watt so good was his motor, how committed to the game he is, and how he just never quits. I think we can all agree that is been one of the biggest parts of J.J. Watt's game is his style of play, but he's playing defeated right now. He's playing angry. We've all seen the press conferences. We've seen the 15-second responses. J.J. Watt, doesn't, he's not here anymore, not on the field at least, and so I don't see him being a real factor in this game outside of him trying to you know, maybe pad his stats a little bit for his career, which he deserves for his legacy. Nobody else is going to cause problems. And with that being said, I don't trust Bradley Roby being that good of a cornerback to where it affects the rest of this defense. Justin Reed has played terrible this year, to say the least. He played better in last year than he has this year. Uh, we have a huge problem at safety on, on the other side of Reed because Michael Thomas or Eric Murray just isn't talented enough. And then Vernon Hongrays have been getting picked on all year. And we still have a rookie, a second-year player in Lonnie Johnson who's still trying to figure out the position of safety. So that's been an issue as well. Defense is atrocious, horrendous, and pathetic. Uh, New England will have a, a fairly good day with running the ball. We know that the Texans are the worst run defense in the league, um, and they are no, the number 31st pass defense as well. You guys will be okay, trust me. No, and I, that's the reason why I love crossovers is local experts giving you the, the the latest information and the greatest information on the team. That's great insight. And I know it's painful as a host of Locked On Texans to have to kind of give some feedback of that nature. But the Patriots right now are definitely showing signs of strength or at least improving. And I'm sure we'll get to that in the next segment when you put me on the hot seat. But uh, that's definitely interesting and good stuff to know, especially from an enemy standpoint. But um, 
Lastly, my friend, we did allude to this earlier. You did and the prowess of Deshaun Watson. And he's still a very dangerous weapon to deal with on offense for the Patriots for any team. But Watson gives his team a chance to win each and every week. And Houston has had a chance to win virtually each and every week as a result of Deshaun Watson putting this team on his back. But Will Fuller's still there. A lot of people were questioning whether or not he might be on the trade block. He's still there making plays. Uh, a former Patriot as well on this team, Brandon Cooks. He's always dangerous for a big play threat. Got a lot of speed, nine touchdowns between those two. Randall Cobb's still pretty effective in the slot. Watson can also do damage with his legs. He's averaging almost five yards per rush. And Duke Johnson in a fill-in role has been pretty good on the ground. He can make plays out of the backfield as well. John, in your estimation, despite the struggles this year, what makes this Texans offense a dangerous one, especially at home, and why they should get a little more credit than their 2-7 and seven record? Well, I think when you look at a switchblade knife, you can get injured by different styles of knives. I mean, how many knives do they have on a switchblade? A lot. Uh, pocket knife, one of those pocket knives. There's always like three or four different versions of knives on there. Uh, so there's three or four different ways you can get cut. We look at Deshaun Watson being the holder of that knife. He pulls it out. Well, you have Will Fuller that can burn you. You have Brandon Cooks that can burn you. And now with David Johnson getting hurt, and we see, we're going to see more uh, Duke Johnson. Duke Johnson can also hurt you. And as you mentioned, Randall Cobb can also do a lot of damage in the slot. He's had two games where he caught over 80 yards. And Deshaun Watson has been so good at picking his poison, also to add his pocket presence has been a whole lot better this year than we've seen in the past two years. He's stepping up in the pocket, keeping his eyes downfield, but he's also being more decisive, decisive especially since uh, the first Jaguar game. He's been more decisive whether or not he wants to take off or just keep his eyes downfield and make a pass. So he's getting better with his pocket presence and leadership on the field, and now he has full control of an offense that he was originally handicapped by. That is why this offense has been good. When you have a player like Deshaun Watson, somebody that Dabo Sweeney called Michael Jordan, when you have a player of his talent and how great he plays, you know, things are going to happen. Things are going to happen. He's going to be able to make things happen. He's going to be able to spin out on tackles sacks and make plays happen we saw it last week when he just threw it and it looked like his eyes was closed and completed the pass big pass big pass he's that good and then there's also talent offensively to match with him we didn't think will fuller was going to be able to hold up at least i didn't uh but he put on some weight during the offseason came back 15 pounds heavier and he's looked like a number one receiver brandon cooks has had great moments so far with houston and I want him to return for next year. Both of those two guys are talented. I think the Achilles heel for the Locusts was just not knowing what to do with a talent like Watson. But we haven't had that problem since Bill O'Brien has been fired. No, and great insight, especially when it comes to both Fuller and Cooks. Look, Cooks is someone Patriots fans know very well from his time here in New England. Did some big things. Unfortunately, it wasn't quite the fit that everyone had hoped, but can't blame Brandon Cooks for not being a speedy, effective receiver here in New England. He certainly was, and he's doing big things in uh, in Houston as well this year and playing well. Will Fuller is someone that Patriots fans had their eye on, maybe coveting him through a trade, uh, but he's always someone that can burn you, like you said, and someone that can put points up on the 
board, and you have to respect Deshaun Watson's ability to be equally as effective both through the air and on the ground, one of the best dual-threat quarterbacks in the league without question. And, John, you've provided a great amount of insight when it comes to the Texans, and I know my listeners and Locked On Patriots greatly appreciate the insight you've given both on offense and on defense. But this wouldn't exactly be a true crossover unless we flip the script and you put me on the hot seat. In just a moment, folks, my friend and colleague, John Hickman, host of the Locked On Texans podcast, will take over the command and seek my insight on all things New England Patriots. More on this week 11 showdown between the Patriots and the Texans when this Locked On crossover Thursday continues. So, Mike, I mentioned earlier, I hope I did, that I'm going to the game on Sunday. And I'm going to wear some Patriots gear. And I know I'm going to look, get those looks, those angry looks. What are you doing here looks? I'm going to rip it proud. So you on standby just in case I need somebody to, you know, kind of vouch for me if I got to move to Boston. Because I'm always here. <laughs> always. Oh. <laughs> I'll always be here for you, my friend. Definitely. We love the fact that you're repping Patriots Nation deep in the heart of Texas. And if you ever need an ally, you always know where to come for me. I'm right here. Southern New England. Foxborough's in my blood. And you know that I'll be right there for you, buddy. <laughs> I love I love my co-workers. I love I love you guys. I love my colleagues here at Locked On podcast network we're a great great big family but i want to talk about cam newton right i think that's the biggest story for houston i'm sorry for the patriots this year because the bigger story is why do you have cam tom brady left now with everything going on with cameron newton with COVID 19 the the limited to no access to the facilities no offseason no real offseason coming into this season late and last minute how has his progression with Josh McDaniel and this offense been through week 10? You know, John, that's a good question. And I think the synergy between Josh and Cam has been kind of a work in progress. And it's starting to come on a little bit as of late. But early on, it looked like the Patriots were going to try to use the system that worked so well in the Tom Brady era and simply add elements into it that played into Cam's strengths, like incorporating zone reads, even some RPOs into the offense. And really, for the first couple of weeks, that seemed to be the case. They were looking good. Cam looked comfortable in the offense. Uh, they were talking about him possibly being comeback player of the year. Even people were mentioning him in the MVP race early on. Cam looked that good coming off of the injury and coming off of a very abbreviated, shortened period of uh, uh, training camp and acclimation period with the Patriots. But... Then the play calling stopped getting inventive, and Josh seemed to revert back to running the old-fashioned Brady playbook, which is simply pre-snap reads, play action, more air than the ground, and I think some of that was because of the time that Cam missed on the COVID reserve list. He definitely didn't get the synergy time with a lot of his receivers to be able to develop that type of rapport that you need to effectively run the running game, the passing game in tandem and make them compliments of one another. You had Brian Hoyer in there for a little bit. You had Jared Stidham in there for a little bit. And it kind of threw off what Josh and Cam were working together to really build. Since then, the Patriots game plan has simplified, and I think they've done it to perfection in a lot of ways in terms of what they need to do. Now, have they run it perfectly at all times? No, but I think that the concept has been the best possible outcome for Cam Newton in a New England Patriots uniform. Run the ball, eat the clock, use the passing game as an efficient complementary piece. Because the Pats' running attack has been so versatile lately, meaning that you've got to account for Cam Newton, Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, James White. 
the key for most teams beating the Patriots has really been to blitz on almost every down. You want to take away Cam's ability to check the football down and force him to beat you vertically. That's been kryptonite for the Patriots in 2020. But I saw something on Sunday against the Ravens that lets me know that Cam Newton is much more comfortable in this offense. The Ravens love sending those extra pass rushers from all over the field. The Patriots really, I think, hit on a winning combination of being able to neutralize that. The combo of using the running game and Cam's coolness under fire, that's what kept that from being a big factor on Sunday. When Baltimore sent those extra pass rushers, Cam was 9 for 12, 105 yards, and he hit Rex Burkhead for a nice touchdown. His familiarity with the offense, he's recognizing those pre-snap reads. He's more easily picking up the blitzes that are coming. And most importantly, he's getting rid of the ball quicker. I give Cam so much credit for doing that because it's not an easy thing to have to adjust midway through and miss time the way he's had without a lot of uh, uh, acclimation time again to be able to get used to his offense. So to me, those are the good signs that he's improving. He's gaining comfort in the system. And I think you're going to continue to see him look more effective each and every week. Cam's been a great fit, and I think he'll continue to be a great fit here. And another thing that helped the, you know, the Patriots win against the Baltimore Ravens and, you know, throughout the year, how dominant they've been on the ground. They rushed for 173 yards on Sunday. But Damian Harris, Damian Harris has looked phenomenal. Has Damian Harris, who's averaging 5.5 yards per carry right now, always been ready for this spot he's in right now? He's taking the best uh, the best opportunities. He's taking the best of his opportunities this season and has been major for the number three rushing team in the league. Was it just his time to shine after having to wait last year? What's been the difference of Damian Harris this year? Versatility. Versatility. He's just one of the more versatile running backs I've seen come through Foxborough in quite a while. Damian Harris is the real deal. There's no question about it. And as much as I've advocated for Sony Michelle being the feature back on this team since Sony was drafted, it's clear that Damian has taken that job, and rightfully so. I really love watching this kid run each and every week. In the last six games, Harris has rushed for 100 yards or more in three of them. That includes the 121-yard career high um, on Sunday in which he carried the ball 22 times. This was going against one of the better run defenses in the NFL. His vision, his toughness, his physicality were all on display against the Ravens. And the thing that I really love about the way Damian Harris runs the football is he identifies the lanes so well. He's able to pick them out and... The offensive line has been doing an amazing job of opening those lanes for him, and I'll get into the O-line in a minute, but to take away from what Damian is doing, finding the lane, running through the lane, and continuing to get yardage after he passes the line of scrimmage is truly an amazing thing, and he's he's been great. But Harris hasn't been alone in the running backs, uh, you know, showing prowess. I think Rex Burkhead has had a really resurgent year for the Patriots. He continues to show why, when he's healthy, why he's a favorite of this Patriots coaching staff. He's tough. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's averaging over five yards per carry on the ground. He also caught four passes on uh, um, on Sunday night for 34 yards, two huge touchdowns, one of them coming on the arm of Jacoby Myers, <laughs> who's been a very great breath of fresh air in game but the running attack has been excellent and then when all else fails you've got good old reliable James White in the backfield one of the better pass catching backs James has had an up and down year for a lot of different reasons but I think you're going to continue to see him utilized he had a nice play the other day where it looked like 
the the Patriots were going to lose a great deal of yardage to uh, a very sound Ravens defense. And then all of a sudden, James was able to break free and he ended up gaining more yards than the Patriots would have probably had originally. So they've been great. They've been a very solid as a unit uh, fullback at the fullback position, losing a guy like James Devlin and having Danny Vitale opt out was a big concern, but Jakob Johnson has done a very good job of stepping up. He's been very good in run blocking. He can even get out into the open field and catch passes every now and then. But one of the big reasons why the running game has been so effective too, along with Damian Harris is the offensive line. David Andrews being back in this lineup really helps the Patriots set up for exactly where they need to be. Joe Tooney's one of the better offensive linemen in the league and Guys like Isaiah Wynn, guys like Shaq Mason, even the rookie, Michael Wainu, they've been great at being able to provide protection. So when you have that kind of protection, it highlights the running back. But got to give a lot of credit to Damian Harris. He's been phenomenal this year. He has been phenomenal. And it has been, you know, fun watching his growth, you know, former Alabama running back now playing for one of the very few friends of Nick Saban in the league, Bill Belichick perfect fit. Now, you mentioned how great Deshaun Washington was early in the show, right? When we were talking about the Texans, you gave him praise, and I told you why he's so good, right? But on the other side, we've got to talk about defensively, why hasn't this team been able to get after the quarterback and get sacks with only 13 this year? They haven't been that same collective unit defensively like we've seen in the past. Why has that been? Uh, for lack of a better term, John, it's basically because the Patriots have been pretty bad on first and second down for the most part this season. Um, really subpar defense, I guess, is the best way for me to put it against outside zone heavy schemes and poor middle of the field coverage off of play action. These are two things that the Patriots have mastered in years past. They've had the personnel to do it. They've had guys like Kyle Van Noy, Jamie Collins, Alandon Roberts, Dante Hightower. All of a sudden, all those players are gone. Dante opting out, the other three vacating the Patriots via free agency. So it's been difficult for the Patriots to fill that void. They just lacked experience among the rushers that they've had on the roster. But lately, the defensive line has made some improvements, and I think that's helped with the linebacking core, and that's helped them to be able to at least start to put the pieces together to get the pass rush back in New England. It's not completely back as of now. It's still a work in progress, but it will improve over the course of the next couple of games if they keep this formula together. And that's running a 3-3 defense early on with Adam Butler, Lawrence Guy, and Byron Cowart on the inside, and then having guys like John Simon and Chase Winovich as outside linebackers on the edge, clogging up that running lane. Um, Therese Hall is coming in as the middle linebacker. He's taking over for Juwan Bentley, who's been injured lately, um, and I think he's done a fairly decent job. And then, of course, as a backup nose tackle, Carl Davis has come in as that solid body that they need to come up and help with the run defense, allowing the linebackers to be able and the edge rushers to be able to get free and maybe get after the pass rush. A guy that's going to benefit a lot from that is Dietrich Wise. The Patriots can now fall back into that 3-4 set that Dietrich is a little bit more comfortable with and be able to get after the quarterback and utilize the defensive line to his advantage. Lawrence Guy has been their best defensive lineman. Uh, he really has, whether it's against the pass rush or it's against the run, which is really where he shines. He's the key cog in that. And if he's healthy and making plays in the interior of that defensive line, it makes them that much better. 
But to me, the other big reason why is the reemergence of the linebacking core. Uh, again, I just mentioned that they lost Dante Hightower to opting out. And then Juwan Bentley goes down with an injury. That's Dante's replacement as middle linebacker. That's going to cause problems for any defense. But to compensate for that, the Patriots coaching staff has the linebackers playing close up to the line, especially both Winovich and Simon, who I mentioned earlier. As the game progresses, the coaching staff's moving them around a little bit. Uh, they'll slide Simon back down to the line a little bit later in the game, and that frees up Chase Winovich, who has really come on lately. Played in 98% of the snaps, was all over the field on Sunday night, really just being a royal pain for the Ravens' offense. He had seven tackles, one quarterback hit, ten quarterback pressures on the night, and he's chasing down plays from sideline to sideline. When Chase is playing that type of football, it's hard to contain him, and with his never-ending motor, he's going to get going and get after the quarterback. John Simon, I thought, was did a great job of setting the edge. He deflected a pass. I think he's doing a good job of defending the flat as well, and I think you're seeing that in the last couple of games. Both of them dropped into coverage well at times, and not to mention the rookies, who I think at linebacker, you need to give them some credit. They're not quite rounding into shape just yet, but they're showing signs of being able to be a key part of the middle of this defense, and that's Josh Uche. Had a sack in limited snaps, the kid from Michigan. Uh, again, another big-time motor on this guy. Speed, quickness, uh, able to get off the block, and I like what he brings to the table. You might see a little bit of Anthony Jennings sprinkled in a little bit more. Um, they were able to do a great job of trying to contain Lamar Jackson. Jackson a couple of times. Overall, this was just a much better job than we've recently seen. And because of that, Patriots pass rush, definitely not where it needs to be. But for all of these reasons, for my long-winded explanation, I think the Pats may have a better shot at becoming a better pass rushing team down the stretch. These two teams have two quarterbacks that look, one looks up to the other, and Deshaun Watson looking up to Cam Newton, and Cam Newton just enjoying and, and loving everything that he sees out of Deshaun Watson and, and to see and to see both of these two brothers play basketball to play football I'm sorry play football at a high level one was an MVP a few years ago Deshaun Watson one of the best quarterbacks in the league uh, for our respective teams is great but Sunday somebody must win Mike you picking pick the pick the score and why uh, okay, I'm uh, I'm going with my hometown guys. I'm going with the Patriots visiting, of course, uh, Houston this week. But uh, I think the Patriots ride the era of good feelings for at least one more week. I think at the end of the day, they're going to be able to put some points up on this Houston defense. I think the Pats defense is going to be able to do just enough to get stops when they need to. But Deshaun Watson's going to get his points against this defense as well. I like the Patriots in this one by a final of 30 to 27 over the Houston Texans on Sunday. Great score. I'm going to go with my favorite team. I just think the Texans are going to be uh, where they've always been, disappointing when the game hits zero. And the Patriots are going to run all over the Texans because Houston has allowed uh, multiple games of yards over 150, and they just allowed two running backs to go over 100 yards in one game. I think the Patriots actually run for 180 in this game. Cam goes for two touchdowns, one in the air, one on the ground. I see this game ending 27-13 Patriots. Excellent. Excellent type of score. And you know what? I know Patriots fans are going to be happy with that. Maybe the Texans can pull the upset. Always, always interesting when these two teams take the field. Just when you think you've got it figured out. 
a lot of times these two teams flip the script. And we heard Bill Belichick say earlier on uh, Wednesday about how he feels that this team is much better than their record indicates, meaning the Houston Texans. I know Bill has a reputation of kind of talking up his opponent, but he's got a lot of respect for Romeo Cornell and a lot of respect for Deshaun Watson, J.J. Watt, and a lot of the great players they have on the Texans roster. I'm looking forward to a good game, and I think it's going to be one in Houston this Sunday. So for John Hinkman of Locked On Texans, I am Mike DeBate of Locked On Patriots. Thank you so much for joining us today on this Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Go Texans, go Pats. We'll see you on Sunday. You are Locked On Texans, your daily podcast on the Houston Texans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.